And this guy was like sitting at the end of the table right next to me. And he like interrupted my talk and was like, so when do we get our first drinks? Oh, and I was like, oh, you're just in this to get wasted. Like, Hey, my name's Anthony O'Connell. I'm a man with a high voice and a podcast. We do a feast or pass, read it one to feast, great dining experiences and more. Today, my guest is Dr. Breakfast, Nick Decker. <laughs> What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. So doctor, do you have a doctorate in breakfast or breakfast food or is this just a fun nickname? I do have a doctorate. It is in theater history and dramatic literature. So I'm sure some way you can make a roundabout argument for it being, you know, eggs and bacon. But uh, <laughs> I, I took the took the the title and applied it to my love of breakfast. <laughs> I'm into it. You're you're using your acting degree or your theater degree. Yeah, it's very yeah exactly. It's very exactly. dramatic. Doctor Breakfast <laughs> right. gets me excited, builds enthusiasm. Right. Yeah, there you go. I need like a cape that looks like bacon, like floating <laughs> off. <laughs> so would you say bacon is, is that your go-to breakfast meat? Yes. Although a lot of times if there's like a well-made sausage, I go for that too. Good sausage patties. Yeah. So you like the patties better than the links? Actually, I like links better. <laughs> Me too. I'm a links guy myself. Nice. When it comes to bacon, thick, thin, anything, or how do you like it? Um, I like thick cut and I like it when it's cooked really crispy, like not burnt, but I like it when it has a nice kind of crack to it. Same. I mean, I, I'll eat bacon at any temperature, but I think right before it's burnt, like pre-burnt crispiness yes. is ideal. That's that's it. That's the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, we like to open up with a feast or pass. How about pancakes, feast or pass? Um, on a scale of one to feast, I would give them like a four. That's fair. I mean, I personally do not like pancakes. That's my unpopular food opinion. They get too mushy. And I've had like the thin ones, like all the way from like McDonald's level, all the way to like artisanal, super fancy, thick and fluffy. And it just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And honestly, if I'm going sweet, I would go with French toast or a waffle before I'd pick pancakes. Dude, waffle. I love waffles. Um, oh, crispy, crunchy, just so good. And I like a yeah. Belgian waffle. Throw some ice cream on there. Let's party. Oh, yeah, Ex exactly. That still counts as breakfast. <laughs> okay. And then one to feast. This is like a one to five scale, but we say feast for fun. McDonald's breakfast, one to feast. I have to be honest, like a two. <laughs> yeah, I've had some bad experiences with uh, with McDonald's breakfast. <laughs> I love it. Like if I'm on a road trip or something, like if I'm going to drive to like Tennessee or something, a 6 a.m. McDonald's trip is great. It's not my go-to under normal circumstances, though. Yeah, yep. And I, <laughs> I will say that that little uh, pocket of hash browns, like I can get behind that. <laughs> the hash brown is probably the strongest thing, in my opinion, like breakfast potato or like a country style potato versus mm. a hash brown. Which way are you going? Hash browns all the way. Same. It's like better texture and I don't know, like, I, I mean, I've had so many like bad home fries that are like underdone and they're just big chunks of potato on your plate. But like hash browns, when it, they make like a little nest out of it and it's all crispy and especially yeah. if you get a good like runny egg and you break that into it, that's like, <laughs> that's my jam. Of course. So good. <laughs> I'm assuming breakfast is your favorite meal of the day. Uh, yeah. Goes without saying. <laughs> now, are you a, a breakfast for dinner, like breakfast anytime kind of guy? Yeah, that's, I mean, I usually say that's one of my favorite things about breakfast is you can eat pretty much anything for breakfast and it counts. Like my, my wife's favorite breakfast is cold pizza, which is like, no judgment. That's a great yeah. breakfast. But then you can also eat breakfast any time of day. And it's still like, yeah, it's still breakfast, like breakfast for dinner or brunch <laughs> or eating it at 2am, like all counts. <laughs> it sure does. So what is your perfect breakfast? What is your ideal breakfast? I, so I love eggs Benedict. Um, so I, a, a good eggs Benedict, but also a side of, of hash browns 
and um, even a side of like a little bit of sausage, uh, some sausage links, a little bit of bacon, <laughs> uh, good coffee. And if I still had room, like maybe a slice of French toast. <laughs> oh my God, dude, that's an epic feast. <laughs> I <laughs> tip my hat together. to you. <laughs> <laughs> and some corned beef hash and, uh, and an omelet. And a... <laughs> in a casual filet mignon, you know, wrap yeah, no, no big deal. Yeah, a little bit of steak and eggs and, <laughs> and a bowl of pho. And a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, just super cash. Um, yeah, yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> so you dine out a lot. You've been a food blogger for a, a long time. I uh, imagine you go out to eat a lot. And uh, I would love to yeah. know, what, what do you think makes a great dining experience in your opinion? That, that's a really good question. I, what I've kind of arrived at over almost 14 years now of doing it is uh, like any, re- any style of restaurant can be great, but the restaurants that are the best are the ones that like we, we talk about it, like understanding their genre. So like they, they know what they're about and they're trying to be like the best version of that. So like, cause you can't, you can't really judge like, fine dining versus a diner versus a food truck versus a bakery and stuff. But if you like take each of those and then you try to understand like, what are they trying to be? Like you think of all the great diners you've been to, like they know what they're about. They know they're not going to be fancy, but they still like, they know how to whip up a really great breakfast in a quick amount of time for a low price point, usually like very, you know, welcoming service, very friendly, homey atmosphere. And like, if they know how to do that really well, then it's like, they've succeeded then like that's a great dining experience same thing of like uh, a restaurant that's trying to be more high-end if they know like hey we're trying to aim for like this level of really attentive service or really creative ingredients or really sort of creative prep of ingredients and stuff and if if they're hitting that then it's like to me it's like those are almost equal where they're each succeeding kind of where where they they mean to be so so that that's how how I've sort of learned to to approach it I mean, and like, like what actually makes it, I mean, I think any place that is like paying like thoughtful attention to their ingredients, um, you know, again, whether it's like a diner breakfast or the filet mignon or something like that, that makes a really great experience. Like my, to you, to use a specific example. So I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I still a family there. And our, like our top favorite breakfast place is there, a place called Real Food Cafe. And like, not fancy at all, just like really good down home breakfasts. And they're, they're like potatoes are the best. And they just, I mean, all they do is they just, I think they like boil the potatoes and they chunk them up and then they throw them on the flat top and they get all crispy. And usually like potatoes are just such a throwaway thing where it's just the sort of add on just to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth out of a plate of food. But theirs are just so good. And all it takes is like, this like little bit of care and attention and they've created something really good. So yeah, dude, I, I think caring is so important and you can definitely tell when people like certain restaurants, they just go to Gordon food services and they just whip it up together. They couldn't care less. Yeah. Like that's fine if that's what you want to be. But like when people care enough, fresh ingredients and they actually like care so much, like you can tell it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) absolutely. I mean, people talk about like cooking with love and stuff. And I think that type of thing absolutely translates. I think it absolutely does. And I think it's really important what you said about context, because context can help your expectations. If you go to yep. a fancy restaurant and you're expecting super loose, casual bar food kind of service yeah. or vice versa, you're going to be disappointed. So yeah. I think that's really important to, to make that distinction. Yep. Yep. I think that's absolutely it. And I think, I mean, obviously like service and atmosphere make a, a huge difference too. like how comfortable does it feel? Does it feel welcoming? Um, and then obviously service. I mean, I know people have lots of examples of like good and bad service. 
Um, one of our favorites that we think of is a couple years ago, my wife and I went to Veritas in downtown Columbus. Uh -huh. And it was like our, it was our 40th birthday. So it was like our big sort of birthday dinner gift to each other. And we had um, Luke Pierce, who, who opened uh, Lawbird Cocktail Bar in Columbus with his wife, Annie. Luke was our server there. And I, it was just this like wonderful level of attention where he was like, suggesting different things like he made it this great conversation and we felt free to like ask him questions like hey what does this mean or hey does this go well with this and we started asking him we were looking at their wine menu and they had a lot of port on there and so we started asking him because we just we haven't had much of that and he like took the time to explain like well here's what makes a good port and then he's like here let me let me grab something real quick <laughs> and he came back with a couple samples and was like doing this like mini tasting and it was just this like wonderful experience that like he took the time to like and and was willing to like educate us to help us like understand and appreciate our food even more and just yeah it was a really really welcoming experience that's a class act I love when they offer you a sample of the wine um and I love when they actually know their stuff like I don't know too much about wine I'm like it tastes good yeah, same like, here. <laughs> I, I found with wine this is a wine hack uh, feel free to use this <laughs> just very confidently say whatever you think because no one can prove that you're wrong just right. say oh i taste cranberries if it's red and if it's white say taste green apple and prove me right. otherwise <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah, you don't know what i'm tasting you know yeah exactly that's it's all subjective idea. and if you say it confidently you're basically a sommelier as far as right. I'm concerned. <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm gonna use that when it comes to booze do you have a favorite genre like do you prefer wine whiskey mm. beer whatever or any liquor i guess I, I like beer um i have been i it sounds really douchey to be like i've been into craft beer for a long time but that's that's been a long time love um especially as a way to like bring people together it's been fun to explore with my brothers, with my friends, uh, you know, kind of the, the beer community. Um, spirits wise, I, I love uh, bourbon, whiskey, scotch. That's that's kind of my jam. Um, nice. Yeah, can always get behind those. <laughs> when it comes to your fancy beers, because I'm also a craft beer guy, and <laughs> nice. I, I used to love like IPAs and very in your face, yeah. super hoppy, but lately I've just been like a good Pilsner, lager, yeah. even pale ale, like something more casual. That's what I've been into lately. Yep. I, th I think that's like the the like beer journey that everyone goes on. It's like you get into craft beer and you're like, yeah, like super punchy hops. Like I want something to just like obliterate my palate. Yeah. Like, and then it's like, you kind of grow up and metal out and you're like, you realize, yeah, like how hard it is to make a really good Pilsner. And you come to appreciate like, this takes a lot of skill and I can appreciate the complexity of it. So it really does. And and with your blog, um, you're such a friendly, nice guy. Um, if you go to a place that sucks, what's your policy? Do, would you rather just not post it? Or do you try to find the silver lining in a place? Like, wh what is your what is your method? So I, tr I always try to find the silver lining, like to see, you know, what? Yeah, is, is there anything that's good out of this experience? I think it is important to always write honestly about a place like you don't want to mislead people and tell them like, hey, this was a you know, like sugarcoat the experience and then have them go and realize like, wow, this food was horrible. Nick was lying or wow, this service really sucks. So um, it's rare that I've been to a place and then not written anything about it um, because it was so bad. I had that happen once and I was actually on assignment for the Columbus Dispatch and I was um, reviewing a brunch place and the experience was so bad that I went back to the editor and I was like, I, like what's the value of this? And she actually had a policy, it was like 80-20 and she's like, if you can find like 
even if 20% of the experience was bad, but if you can find like 80% of good things to talk about, like maybe a dish was off, but the service was great or the drinks were great. And, but if it's flipped the other way where it's like maybe 20% of this was good, but 80% was horrible and that's where it landed. And, and we decided to like nix the fees altogether. So, but generally like I, yeah, I try to find a silver lining, but I'll be honest with people and say like, Hey, the wait time was really long or this dish was kind of undercooked or, you know, whatever, if there's some sort of misfire. But also, yeah, you want to be nice. I mean, restaurant industry is super tough and it is. everyone has bad days and you don't want to like, especially like you were saying earlier, like mom and pop restaurants, like people have put like their, their life's work into it. You don't want to be the one to come along and dump on it just because you had one bad experience exactly <laughs> and like sometimes I'll, I'll read like yelp reviews or google reviews before yeah. going to a place and it's so shocking you'll see a review that reads as if it's a five stars but then they gave them two stars and i'm yeah. like what, 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 yeah what's going on here are yeah. you trying to be like feel important and cool like man i get i'm such a tough grader right like, I, yeah <laughs> i don't know i can describe <laughs> how much i didn't like this place <laughs> so with me because actually i don't know if you've ever been in the service industry before but i used to be a server so for yeah. me, service is like literally the bottom of my thing. Like as long as you're not blatantly rude right. and in your face, disrespectful. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm like, dude, I get it. Being a server sucks. Like if they're super busy, they're in the weeds. Yeah. Like it's such a hard yep. job. And then yep. if they're slow, they, I get it. I want to be in the phone zone. Like right. yeah. an extra minute for my drink, but yeah. <laughs> I like to give people a pass with service, but I do love yeah. like good vibes and ambiance. Like I hate when you walk yeah. to a restaurant and like, for me, a bad dining experience is like, you walk in, the host is completely disinterested, maybe not even at the host stand. Yep. And then they bring you to your table. One of my biggest pet peeves is when the table's dirty, like kind of like sticky. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, that doesn't make you feel safe to, to start eating. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the yeah. vibes and ambiance are off. So for me, that's a yep. big, big turnoff. How about you, Nick? What would you say makes like a, a bad dining experience? Yeah, I, I mean, I think certainly those things. I think having like a cold welcome sort of, it, it sets up. Uh, I don't know, it just, yeah, you kind of lead off on the wrong foot. And I've definitely had that where you, like looking back on an experience where it was like kind of rough and you realize like, we should have seen this coming just from the way we like were or were not welcome through the door yeah. and where, yeah, the host didn't seem to really care. Um, I think uh, along with that, like sort of, I don't know how, to, how best to say it, but like sort of bad communication where it feels like your server isn't trying to even communicate with you either to like give you a chance to ask questions or to offer information that might help you make choices. Um, I, I'm with you. Like you certainly want to be like respectful of people in the service industry because it is, it's tough. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's really rough and you don't want to be that guy that's like being an a-hole about something. So, but I think when you get someone who's like more like disinterested where it's like, gosh, you're not even like going to try to help us. So that means we're probably going to end up waiting longer than we should for everything. And that makes us feel frustrated. And I think that's part of it. And then I think, I mean, places that can't execute food is like, <laughs> it's, you know, again, it's been rare that we've had like really bad experiences. Um, I had one place where I ordered an eggs Benedict and like the hollandaise was like dirty water. Like I asked them, I was like, oh, I think you forgot the hollandaise. And they're like, no, that's it. And it's like, uh, that looks like uncooked egg white that's just oh. around the egg like I had another place where like the potatoes were so overdone that they were like plastic like even sitting there with like like dragging a knife through it I uh -huh. couldn't cut it and it was Ugh. just like <laughs> I'm not gonna eat this that's brutal uh, with your food blog do you ever find yourself 
asking the server like what looks good rather than what tastes good? Like, are you worried about the aesthetic because oh. you want to have good content, or do you just order what you want? I, uh, we don't go too much on on looks. I'll, I'll definitely ask them like what are the popular things or like what are they known for. I think that's really important, especially if you're going to a place for first time to get a sense of because like. I think the best servers are the ones who will volunteer like, oh, we're really known for like our French toast is really popular or we've gotten a lot of great reviews for our breakfast burrito or whatever it is. Um, Cause that's always great to find out like what's the, what's the dish that they are proud of that they, mm -hmm. that um, they like to share. Um, otherwise it's just sort of, you know, order what we want. Like what looks good to us? What are our favorites? That's a great way to judge. Like I really love eggs Benedict. So I'm, there's a good chance I'm going to order that because that gives me a good sort of inroad to understand like, I know Eggs Benedict pretty well. And here's, uh, you know, I can judge theirs based on all the others I've had. That's a good idea. And when it comes to content creation, are you shameless? Like, we, do you bring like a light with you? <laughs> Is it like a whole setup or are you a little more casual? I, I try to keep it as casual as possible. Um, I, I still, even though it's not weird for people to take pictures of food these days, I still get self-conscious of, of stuff. Really? Yeah. It's, <laughs> That's shocking. I think, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a part of me that is feels like unapologetic about it, but I'm, I'm always worried about like inconvenience, inconveniencing servers and stuff like that. Like, I don't want to do that. But, um, but I, when I first started out, it was like before, you know, the iPhone was around. So like I had this DSLR that I would bring and I'd be like, that felt a little more embarrassing when you're like hauling out this big camera and yeah. pictures <laughs> of food. So, but I, I try, we found like asking if at all possible to sit near a window. So just getting some natural light and with an iPhone, it's amazing the stuff that, that you can get. Um, it's true. Natural light yeah. is the best anyway, really. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it looks so much better. So what made you want to start your blog back in the day? I, so I just finished grad school at Ohio State. And um, apparently I needed another writing project to take on. And I've always loved breakfast since I was a kid. And my training, like my formal training was like writing history and literature and stuff. So like as the historian, this is when we were still, we had lived in Columbus for a few years and we were still kind of getting to know the city. And I found, I was like, gosh, I, like I want to remember these places that we've been to. And so I had the instinct of like, well, you got to write this down or you might forget. And so just for fun, I was like, well, we have, we have this little family blog going. I'll just start a blog. And why don't I just start like recording, you know, breakfast places that we've been to and then just sort of grew from there. <laughs> Yeah, were you were you surprised when you like started being met with all the success, like going on like the Columbus Dispatch and like the PBS experience and all that yeah. stuff? Like, how did that feel? That that was really cool. I mean, it, it was very unexpected to like the PBS thing was a big jump because that was about three years in, and the guy, the producer from Pittsburgh, he had found my blog by just searching breakfast in Columbus online. So that was that was yeah, that was that was a really big thing. That's been like very like gratifying to see people. Who have followed along and taken suggestions and interacted and stuff and have been willing to like try things based on what I've said like that's that's a very honoring thing that people would do that of course it's got to feel so good and hey just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far if you're liking it please subscribe tell a friend if you're loving it please give us a five-star review I wanted to like find Columbus foodies to talk to and the Columbus food scene and just get a feel for it it was like 90% you man like you're everyone like <laughs> If you ask anyone Columbus food, they're like, Nick, breakfast with Nick. Like that's, how does that feel? Does that feel good to be like beloved? Yeah, uh, no, that's, that's awesome. Especially for something that just started as like a, a, a hobby that was just kind of, you know, something to do kind of for fun for the first few years. Like that, yeah, it's really awesome to, to have people 
follow along like that. And I think that that's been the crazy thing is realizing you're like having an effect on people. Like I've had friends that said like, oh, you wrote this thing. We decided to go there and we had this great experience for an anniversary dinner or whatever. Like that's just, yeah, that's, that's amazing to feel like people trust and respect you enough to kind of follow what you say. Have you ever felt like leaning more into social media, like being that, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like it's Mm -hmm. such a huge network, or do you feel like you've built up a big enough base with your blog that you can still focus mainly on the blog? Uh, That's, that's a good question. I think it's, it's definitely shifted over the years where there is more attention on the social media side of it. Um, And there are definitely, there are a lot of times where I feel like, especially like Facebook and Instagram, where I'll share something on all the platforms and it seems to get more traction on social media than it does on on the blog, which I'm fine with, like they all kind of complement each other. That's true. Yeah. And it's, and it's just kind of shown me like, are there times when it's like, well, it'd be better to spend my time like writing something up for Instagram versus doing a big involved blog post. And then there are other things where it's like, well, this is a much more like in-depth something I want to say that's going to be better for the blog than for Instagram or Facebook. That's cool. And uh, the Instagram algorithm can be very frustrating. Like as far as like simple versus involved, like I, (laughs) one time I dipped a chip into some nacho cheese. I literally just (laughs) dipped a chip and it went hella viral. I got like a million views. And then other times I'll like edit video. I'll sit down in Adobe Premiere and I'll like edit for like three hours. And I'm like, oh, this is great. It's like a thousand views and it's like, oh my God, what? It's so hit or miss, man. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I always think of like, there was one time I had this picture of a restaurant Shilla, which is the Korean restaurant on the Northwest side of Columbus. And it's like down this, like it's down the side of this building. So it's kind of hidden. And I I remember there's this day I've had this picture of their door, like down the, the hallway or down the alleyway. And I was literally like coming out of my day job and I was walking to my car and I was just on my phone and I was like, oh, I'm going to share that picture. And then I just typed up some caption about like, hey, just a reminder that sometimes the best places like aren't on social media and they're hard to find. And like, it was nothing huge, but it got this like big response. And I was like, what? Like, I literally was like walking to my car and just shared the first thing that came to mind with that picture. And so then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then there's things where you're like, oh, I'm going to write this and I should tag this person. And then you share it and you're like, oh, okay. No big deal for anyone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, do you have any um, unpopular food opinions? I tend to like a lot of stuff. I have some ingredients. Um, I don't like olives that much, um, which is like shocking to my wife and her family because they love olives. Like they're the family, like you put out a bowl of black olives and they will just eat it. And I can appreciate them like on pizza and stuff, but like too, too much for me. You're so, not going to eat, eat like a, a blue cheese olive in a martini, for example. No, no, absolutely not. And like blue cheese, like really funky cheeses, not my jams. So like a super dirty martini like that, like hard not, pass. Not me. Yep. <laughs> I also, I don't like mint. Um, I just, I really don't like the flavor of it. And to me, mint overpowers everything that's around it. And I know, and maybe it's like a more of a like biological hereditary thing. Like, you know, some people can't stand cilantro and it yeah. makes everything taste like dirt to them. So, so those, what about, those like are, a mint, what about a mint toothpaste? See, I, and that's, what's funny. Like that I can tolerate <laughs> or even like peppermints that we used to have growing up. Like my parents, like give us peppermints to eat in church and stuff like that. And it's like that I can get behind, but I guess just like Straight up, like, again, a drink with, like, a big sprig of mint in it, like... Hard pass. No no mojito for you, nothing like that? 
nope, nope, not me. Tough but fair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I pretty much like everything. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like all my unpopular opinions I've already talked about. So this question is a hard question. Ooh. But if someone were to come to Columbus for the first time, or even if they live here and they're looking for a new place, like mm. what would you say are the three must-try Columbus restaurants? Mm. Like any style of restaurant or breakfast? In Let's do breakfast or? and any style. We'll do breakfast first because you're the doctor of breakfast. Okay. Um, but I'm <laughs> sure you have that degree. <laughs> yeah, you have an internship at the other levels, I'm guessing, or something. You have some kind of experience <laughs> right. on unpaid summer intern, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, breakfast wise, oh man, there's so many good ones. So some of my top choices that I always recommend to people, um, I know it's a popular one, but Fox in the Snow Cafe, their egg sandwich and a blueberry galette. Um, those are two of my favorite things. Very beloved place for me is Kalachi Republic, which is on the like south side, just south of downtown. And they make these like little Czech pastries. Um, and they have a breakfast one with like chorizo, eggs and cheese in it. That is Whoa. fantastic. That sounds good. good. I've never had that, but that sounds great. Oh yeah. You should go check those guys out They're And they're, it's such a nice group of guys that runs it. And they're like one of the only places in Columbus that makes those. Cause we don't like compared to like Cleveland and stuff, we don't have a big like Eastern European heritage here in Columbus. So we don't tend to see a lot of those pastries. Um, I like, I like those. I really love the Starliner Diner out on the west side of Columbus. Uh, their chilaquiles with chorizo is like one of my favorite breakfast dishes. And they're like full disclosure, like they partner with me a bunch, but I like, even if they weren't, I would still go there all the time because I love, I love that place. And then I'm just going to go with four. Um, a good diner breakfast, Tommy's Diner uh, in Franklinton, especially their Belgian waffle, I think is one of the best in town. It's like, just so perfectly crisp and like getting that with a little syrup and a side of bacon is that's like all you need in a diner breakfast right there <laughs> that sounds amazing before we were doing the podcast i was gonna try to guess what what place you would like oh and for some reason i was thinking you were gonna say maybe like maybe like a jack and benny's maybe do you know jack and benny yeah or i was yeah. thinking maybe like catalina's yep yep if like if i were to expand my list to like a top 10 catalina's make the list um, <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah pancake balls at catalina's but they also have like a fried chicken breakfast sandwich with like cheddar and some frank's hot sauce and uh, a fried egg on it that's Is that the one with i the like bacon that with the spicy bacon don't they have like a spicy bacon there i thought yeah <laughs> yeah they have the bacon yep that's that's great yeah jack and benny's i've never said no to their gut buster it is <laughs> it is so good oh, good <laughs> that's awesome so nick i also wanted to talk to you about your your tours and uh -huh. have you been able to do the tours with uh, the horrible end of the world and everything, or have you had to pause that? We've, we've had to pause those. The, the last ones I did were like late February, no, like early mid-March of uh, 2020. And um, they had to stop pretty much all of them because like even the walking tours, like you can't just take a group of, you know, 10, 15 people into a restaurant. And then the van tours, which is what I did, those ones like you can't like no one's going to want to cram into a van with like 14 other strangers. So those are on pause, unfortunately. I was going to ask if you had to, everyone just drove separately, but you, you just like rent like a big van and you just drive everyone. Is that how you used to do yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So Columbus Food Adventures, they own a van, a 15 passenger van. And at, well, like when tours were running, there were like maybe a dozen tours and like three or four were walking tours and the rest were driving ones. And everyone would meet at a central point. Uh, kind of in like Victorian Village, so just north of downtown. And then 
pile in the van and then we'd have a little route that we would drive and the breakfast tour I did we used to go to five different stops and each one you spend like you know like 25-ish minutes at each place and you get to sample a little bit of food and then like hear from the owners and, and stuff like that um by by and large our most popular stop was we'd always go to Buckeye Donuts and they would like cram us into the back and it would always be on Saturday so it would just be like nuts like this flurry of activity and they would tell the story of how Buckeye Donuts started and they would like they would fry up and glaze some donuts so everyone could like have a warm donut back there it was that was always amazing that's so fun man I bet you really yeah. miss doing that I do I mean like my formal background is like education and stuff like I got the PhD to like lecture at the university and stuff. So I really like those tours as an outlet to like be able to teach people and, you know, show them something that I love. So I do, I do miss those. Yeah. Do you have any like heartwarming stories? Like maybe there was a certain patron that was like really sweet and excited or like it just, they totally blew their mind. Is there any like experiences (laughs) like that, that jumped to to mind? I mean, we've had a, a lot of really good ones where like we've had like people who are total strangers on tours they end up getting along really well we had one couple on my brunch tour where we went to it's closed now this was a few years ago but we went to the worthington inn and they loved the food and the atmosphere there so much that they rebooked their wedding venue to the worthington inn um, because they were just like we're going to drop this other place and we just love this so much that we're gonna do that they did their like ceremony and reception there that's cool yeah it's just, it was always fun to watch people's reactions to things, especially when like you're taking them to places that they've never heard of before or like, or they that they've just never been to. I mean, Buckeye Donuts was the one like, people just love that story. It's like family run place for over 50 years. It's this like motley crew of people who are back there. Yeah. And they, you know, they all sort of like love, hate each other back there. So they're always kind of yelling at each other. And we had one time one of the donut makers got ticked off at the owner and he started throwing donuts <laughs> at him. So we're like, everyone's standing there in the tour and there's like donuts going by their heads. And like, everyone thought that was the best thing. Like no one was like shocked by it. They, they were just, they thought it was the funniest thing. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully there was no, uh, no Karens there to, to ruin the fun. Right. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> exactly. Did you ever have any crazy people that tried to ruin the fun? And if so, how did you handle that? Uh, That's a good question. I lucked out in that on my tours, I generally had people who were very good. Once in a while, especially on the brunch tour, you would get the boyfriends or the husbands who are coming along with their their significant other. And clearly their significant other was the one who wanted to do the tour and they didn't. So you can tell they're just sort of like grumpy the whole time. Like they didn't want to spend their Sunday morning that way. And I had one guy who like I do this little like spiel at the beginning. We go to our first stop and everyone sits down and I just do this quick intro. Like, here's who I am. Here's what we're going to do today. And this guy was like sitting at the end of the table right next to me. And he like interrupted my talk and was like, so when do we get our first drinks? And I was like, you're just in this to get wasted. Like, (laughs) and he turned out fine. Cause I think like his, his like wife, girlfriend, whatever was like, she was like, I'm not going to have this. So like, she, like it didn't become an issue for me, but I could tell she wasn't entirely pleased with him. <laughs> it have been a slippery slope for sure. It sounds yep. like. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the worst that I've had. So I've been, I've been pretty fortunate. That's very reasonable and definitely fortunate. Anytime you're dealing with the public, it can be risky, but most times oh, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Yep. Most people are just, they're in it for the fun of it and good food and that's it. 
Exactly. And so Nick, I asked you everything that I wanted to ask you, but I always ask my guests if I forgot something, if you're dying to say something and I didn't bring it up, now's your time to shine. Nothing that I can think of. Can I turn the question on you and ask, like, do you have a favorite breakfast place in town? I, I don't eat out for breakfast a lot. I normally cook breakfast at home. Yeah. But I love a croque madame. I haven't had a great croque madame in Columbus yet. So if you can okay. recommend a, a croque madame or a croque monsieur, I'll settle for that. But if you have a recommendation for those, I would love to hear that. I know uh, La Chatelaine has a pretty good one. It's been a while since I've had it. Um, so if you haven't tried theirs, and then I don't know if they do it anymore, but um, Pistachio Vera in German Village used to do one. I'm sure like, I know everything is kind of up in the air with COVID these days, but they, they used to have a really good one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Nick. And uh, thank you again for doing the podcast and happy birthday again. I hope you have a great thank rest you. of your day. Thanks. This was fun. I appreciate you reaching out. Of course, man. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks again. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye.